This is Omo. 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 So picture it, December 18th. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. L- before you start, let's address the very horse elephant in the room. Okay. Well, I was going to do it immediately afterwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can't even start without it. So okay. y- you, uh, you have not had a voice for how many days now? Uh, like two and a half weeks. Yeah. So we finally just said, screw it. We have to record. It's back enough. So I'm, I'm done interrupting you. You have a very dramatic story. Please continue. Picture it. December 18th, 2022. I have a day off after many, many weeks of just going nonstop with my two shops, gigging, recording an album, being involved with the film project. It goes on and on, but I had a day off. And I was so excited to just chill, kind of get ready for the whole family Christmas thing that was coming up. Um, around 1.30 in the afternoon that day, I get a call from our head of workshop in Nashville, David Goad, who was going into the shop, luckily, to work on some instruments. And he says, hey, Brandon, just got to the shop. The front door is busted in. Do you think I should call the cops? And I was like, um, yes, call the cops. But then I'm in my mind thinking, oh, my God, what's happened? You know, so I like rush to get as ready as I can to run to the shop. I'm barreling to the shop. And I kind of I have to admit when I'm in an emergency like this, I kind of go into emergency mode. Mm -hmm. I'm not necessarily a, you know, freak out and just kind of flail around. I can generally stop myself and just zap in and then I do the worrying later. Um, so that's what I did. I rushed to the shop. I called my dad on the way. I'm like, this is what's happening. Trying not to, you know, think about it too much, but just going to get there. And sure enough, the whole front door had been busted in, uh, glass was everywhere. And it just so happened we had done inventory two days before. So I knew where everything in the shop was. I had a visual memory of where every instrument was even hanging, walk in and assess that the theft the thiever, the the stealer, the thief. There, that's the word I was looking for. That's the word. Had taken five instruments. And still, even though they weren't terribly expensive instruments, it took all day. It took all day the next day. It took all day the next day. Mm-hmm. It took three days total, actually, about four days total, to talk to the news channels, to talk to everyone who was calling in to check on us. Mm-hmm. It was a big break-in. It was dramatic, and I don't want to go through that again. However, we had our bases covered. We were insured. We had cameras. We had an alarm system, which, well, there's still something to be figured out on why that didn't really sound, or maybe it did and it just turned off. Who knows? You had video footage of the thief, which you sent to us. Yeah, we had video footage of the thief. Yeah. Um, which was helpful in identifying the person because months later they have found that person now. Wow. Um, no instruments have been returned, but that whole section of my life was kind of put to bed after a month because we had insurance. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I was able to peacefully move along, luckily, with you know very few scars. Um, and I learned a lot in the process. So... Bringing that to why are we talking about that on an OMA episode today? Yeah. Well, today is insurance day. Insurance. The most exciting topic of all. We're building building in coffee breaks, guys. We we know it's dry, (laughs) but we need need to make sure our bases are covered. So I I have a story. I have Mm. a story in which ultimately... I did not have to make a claim because the loss was right at that deductible point. But I had the same dramatic moment. It was also a December day, 
before Christmas. It was December 2020. So if you guys can go back to those days, 2020, we had our first round of lockdowns in March and the world was not normal. Everything was weird. Uh, The business was off and I walked up to my shop one day and there's a big hole in the door and I looked to my neighbor and there was a big hole in his door and all down, there's like five or six shops all aligned, all with glass doors broken. And I immediately felt this sense of desperation. I thought, not for myself, I, I felt like there was a desperate energy going on. Somebody needed Christmas money and was willing to do illegal things to get it. And sure enough, going inside, once we called the police <laughs> and they had looked inside, then we went inside, uh, the uh cash register, the cash part of the cash register was broken open. Um, and that was it. Uh, so we, at the end of the day, we had to replace our petty cash. Um, that's not the right word, whatever the, the money that's in there. <laughs> and, that money. Yeah. And, uh, and the glass door, uh, I didn't, I didn't enjoy that moment. It felt very unsettling. Um, can I brag a little bit about my showroom? Please brag. Please brag. So, so this is something I'm actually really proud of. When I first built my shop, I had my showroom built so that even like uh, on the ceiling, there are bars across and it's got these nice big double doors that open up. So it feels like a very open space. But when you close those double doors, there's also um, metal bars that close over it. So it's its own giant safe. And so um, even seeing that broken glass door, I was like, okay, what are they going to take? Well, I don't want them to take cases. I don't want them to take rental instruments, but they're not getting to the good stuff. Um, So that was my experience. Um, And I did have a conversation with my insurer just to to see where I was because it was a confusing time. Uh, Didn't know what claim I had and if it was worth making a claim or if I wanted to make a claim. Okay. What you're already saying, Rosie Deloach, by the way, hello. Hello. (laughs) Hi, Brandon Godman. How are you? (laughs) Well, I'm partially here, but as you can hear. Most of um, your voice is here. But all of this stuff that you're saying, claims, uh, insurance agent, I'm already like, I can see hives starting to break out in my arms. Yeah. Like it's, it, it's stuff that causes so much anxiety to folks, or at least me, because we hear about this with health insurance. We hear about it with auto insurance. Mm-hmm. Everybody says that magic word insurance. And we all just kind of like wilt a little bit because we all have stories. We have battle scars from insurance. Um, it causes a lot of anxiety. It causes a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. But today we're going to talk about insurance specifically for musical instruments and bows and inventory, everything to do with the musical instrument ethos. Um, now, under the world of insurance, I'm sure you and a lot of other folks stress about what type of insurance to get, how much coverage should you have, How large of a deductible should you have? When should you make a claim? Should you wait for that major instrument or uh, incident to make a claim? Um, Or should you go ahead and make every claim? Will you get dropped if you make a claim? Will your premium go up if you make a claim? Will they tell other companies that you're a really bad person and they should not insure you if you make a claim? Okay, so that's you. You live in stress land about that. I get it. Um, (sighs) How many... Of you are like me, where you thought, oh, I for legal purposes, I just need to get the insurance and move on. Or uh, in order for me to have a school bid, I have to have this minimum requirement. You get it, you move on, you never look at it again, you never think about it. How many are like me? Raise your hand. Rosie, you're just so freaking cool. <laughs> I mean, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, just to covers very basic stuff. So we've got companies that insure in our arena that do 
that understand what we do. They understand that merchandise isn't always on the premises. Uh, so just to cover them, Heritage, Clarion, Total Dollar, and Anderson. And this episode is not an advertisement for any of those companies. We do not have intentions of posing one company uh, against the other. Our intention is just to educate you guys on the broader topic of insurance and leave you with more knowledge to make your decisions with. And there also may be smaller companies out there that we just left out. We did not mean to do that. Other smaller companies or bigger companies, whoever we left out, do not come after us because we have insurance. (laughs) Right? For this specific clause. Yes. I I think so. Um, We may not know all the answers. Actually, Rosie, we just don't know all the answers. I'm going to be honest. No, but we we know a few answers. Yeah, we know a few. Um, And I know a whole bunch more after doing this episode. And I hope that our listeners do too. And if they don't know the answers, well, they're going to know where to go get the answers. I'll tell you that much. So, all right, let me breathe. Let me just Mm -hmm. say to our listeners... What is insurance? If you strip insurance down to the core, what is it? Insurance is when you walk into that grand casino called life. (laughs) And you're going to walk up and put money down on the fact that you think something's going to happen. And that insurance company, the house, the dealer, whatever you want to say, they're going to put money on the fact that they don't think something's going to happen. And you two are betting against each other. That's what insurance is. And we're going to explore all the facets of that little casino of life after this break. Homo sapiens, I have with me here today Jackson Maberry, maker of J.G. McIntosh Rosinet Oil Varnish. Now, you mentioned that people can have difficulty in successfully making rosinet varnish because it takes good laboratory practices. Explain a bit about how you accomplish this. It's easy to think of pigment and varnish making from an artistic standpoint, right? But that's a trap. It's actually alchemical. And alchemy is just an old word for chemistry, I think. So exactitude in calculations, in measuring, in titration, and the like are the only way to ensure that your reactions are complete and balanced and that your product is free from contamination and and waste. Um, So I accomplished this through just painstaking attention to detail and with real laboratory instruments. Get your J.G. McIntosh rosinate oil varnish and other varnishing supplies today by visiting woodfinishingenterprises.com. Search McIntosh. A special thanks to House of Note, a luthier-owned violin shop in the Twin Cities of Minnesota, for their support of this episode of OMO. While covering the many demands that we deal with in this industry, from restoration to repairs for players at all levels, House of Note wants you makers to know they sell quite a few modern maker instruments and bows. If you've just done your final setup for your violin and you're looking to hang it in a shop that understands new instruments, look no further than House of Note. Check them out today at houseofnote.com. So I had a violin that was in the possession of a shop in another state for about four months before I could even get a hold of the owner to discuss a consignment contract. And then it turned out that they didn't even have paperwork in place for that. So after a while, I decided I wanted my instrument back, but then the owner became even more difficult to reach. And when I could get in touch, they told me the violin was out on trial or that they had customers who may be interested in it if I could just wait a few weeks. So this was drawn out for many more months. And after speaking with some colleagues, I began hearing all these horror stories of dealers selling instruments and keeping the money or instruments getting damaged or stolen and the dealer not wanting to tell the maker. Um, So I decided to reach out to my insurance to ask what the process was if something like this had happened. And they told me that if I needed to report the instrument as stolen, I'd need to file a police report in that city, then submit it to the insurance company, and then of course there was a $1,000 deductible if that all went through. 
And with what the instrument was insured for, I wouldn't have been much worse off than if it had sold on consignment, but it would have been a lot of work and I'm sure some reputations would have been damaged, so I really didn't want to go that route unless I had to. And luckily, after the dealer missed a really solid deadline that I had established for shipping the instrument back, I felt a little more comfortable just sending a very firmly worded message. Uh, and they actually sent it back unharmed within the week. So it all worked out in the end, but definitely a stressful experience. So that is from a homo sapien who we, you know what, if she would like to out herself when this episode releases, I welcome that. But otherwise, we're going to leave you anonymous. And uh, that was a tricky situation for someone who is even just a business of one uh, or could be a business of one if someone is by themselves in their house making there's still a reason to have insurance. Absolutely. We all need to be covered. Uh, so on that note, do, would you like to go into the types of insurance? I would love to go into the types of insurance, Rosie. Okay. <laughs> so as you mentioned before, there are m many companies that specialize in insurance um, for musical instruments and bows. If you start talking to those companies, they're going to ask you first and foremost, are you a player slash collector or are you a dealer? Okay. And the reason that's important is because. Oh, don't forget restore. Oh, restore. Yeah. That's a yeah. thing too. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, so dealer slash restore slash okay. maker actually. Um, okay. But as a dealer, I mean, I'm kind of dealer centric because I guess I'm a dealer. Um, sorry about that folks. Uh but as a dealer, you need a special type of insurance because you're going to be dealing with more of a blanket policy, okay? Because your inventory is changing all the times. Even if you're a maker, even if you're a restorer, you're going to have different instruments in and out of your shop. Um, if you're a dealer, maker, restorer, your blanket policy, by and large, will be broken up into four categories. Okay. Now, each company may have their own sort of sections here, but this is sort of the diluted, generalized thing. The big four. The big four, four components. Component number one, on-premises. So this is going to be covering all inventory, whether it's consigned or not consigned, that is on your premises. All right? Uh, I have a question. Already? Does, does this include that? The nice Sartori bow that I don't own, but I'm rehearing on my workbench. It does, actually. It covers all instruments in for repair. Awesome. Yeah, okay, so, I can sleep better now. Exactly. Basically, anything that is on your premises that is in your care because you agreed upon it with a customer, it's a consignment, it's a repair, um, anything that's on the premises that you declare as your premises. Okay. Okay. Um, so that's one component. The second component is off-premises. So anything that is off the premises that you've declared as your premises. Okay. Are you following? <laughs> so my store has vast reaches. Got it. Yes. So Rosie, when you go to string drives, right, and you take all these instruments to show. I do. All the students who are interested in playing violin, viola, cello, bass, and you're showing up with your beautiful hair and being the oh, super, you. super giggly, hey, come and play strings with me and do it with caraway strings. That is a persona. That's a persona. It's a very good persona. <laughs> You're you. covered. You're covered when you go out and do these things. What about when the sixth grader pays for the year to rent their cello and walks out the door with that cello? And they steal it? No, no, no. They've paid for the year. They're renting it. Yes. And they walk out the door with it. It's covered. Oh, oh, oh yeah. It, rentals okay. are covered in this because okay. it's technically your inventory that is off-premises. Now, under that, you have to have a written contract and your deductible is applied. But there are those Got trigger it. words again, so I'm going to try to avoid those right now. So some rental instruments uh, as at their wholesale costs might not meet the deductible, may not be worth it, right. but others might. 
Okay. And then uh, as far as somebody who comes and is trying out a fine instrument from my showroom, something happens to that instrument during their checkout period. What's the scenario? Yeah, if something happens while the, while it's on trial, it is covered. Okay. So long as they haven't played for it yet, because it's your inventory that's off premises. Now, this also covers, like, if you send instruments out to Philip Cass or someone like that to be looked at, to be examined, to be appraised. If you send instruments to be displayed somewhere. If you send instruments to go on consignment at another shop. Um that is technically covered under this part of the policy off premises. Okay. Okay. Ooh, that makes me sleep better at night as well. Yeah. Um, the third facet, which is the one that we're probably all very familiar with is the shipping component mm -hmm. of insurance. Now this covers all inventory that you have shipped out or the shipment originated from your premises, okay? So if okay. you ship something on trial, if you ship something to Jerry Lynn to do a restoration on for you, um, if you ship something, I don't know, give me an idea, Rosie. <laughs> well, I was actually going to ask for the opposite. What about when you order those 10 cellos that you're going to use for this next year, and one of them arrives with the neck no longer attached, to the rest of the body. Well, all right. So that if, if you've already paid for it, then you may have to make the claim. But if you haven't paid for it yet, the person who's shipping the cello actually may be in charge of that or liable for it. Okay. So the, the point is the point of payment understood. Okay. See, this is that, this is that area where you have to talk to your adjuster, you know, and they're going to duke it out. They're going to say, nope, that person's in charge. Largely, it should be covered because one of the two parties is going to have insurance. All right. Mm -hmm. um, the shipping does not cover if, for example, someone calls you and they say, hey, I have a Colin Mezzan, beautiful condition that my grandmother played as a child. Um, it's got a date in it that says 1893. I was curious if you'd be interested in buying it. They send you photos. You're like, yeah, I'd be interested in buying it, but I need to see it first. They ship it to you. Okay. They are not covered under your insurance policy. That is their responsibility. The, That's the their responsibility. Owner. Exactly. Got it. So if it gets lost by UPS, then hopefully they bought insurance on it when they shipped it. You know, okay. Well, that um, sounds like a really important thing to make sure it's said out loud before someone ships you something. Yes. Yeah. But it does cover the shipping policy does cover return shipments. So if you ship something on trial to someone in South Florida, they decide that they don't want that violin or bow and they're going to ship it back to you. It is covered in that shipment. They do not have to pay for insurance when they go up to FedEx or UPS or USPS. Okay. Okay. Cool. Well, what's the number four component? Number four is miscellaneous business property. That includes raw materials, office equipment, furniture, tools, wood, accessories, all the above. Okay. Are um, you saying if some noob ruined my bandsaw, I could theoretically make a claim for that? If you have that expensive of a bandsaw, absolutely. <laughs> no, I think I, I think I paid exactly the deductible for my used bandsaw. Because <laughs> <laughs> it goes back to that uh, claims process, which is a trigger word, I have to admit. Um, so you have to weigh that out. But we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. So don't give away the rest of our story, okay? Okay, okay. Now, you also mentioned there is... Um, a workbench policy upgrade, but th this is something specifically that Heritage provides, and we don't know at this time if other places have this. Yeah, but you this wanted is to just mention. This is something a little extra. And the cool thing about this policy is it does cover the repossession of stolen instruments. So let's just say you buy an instrument that walks in off the street and you pay $5,000 for it. Um, next thing you know, you get a knock on your door because you've posted that instrument for sale on your website. 
somebody says, that instrument actually belongs to me. Here's the police report. We are going to repossess that. Okay. Um, you're out the money technically. So what they'll do is they will reimburse you for what you paid for the instrument. If you get this upgrade. Yeah. If you get the upgrade, it also covers unpaid deferred sales. So let's just say somebody comes in, they want to buy a $10,000 instrument, but like many of us, they don't have $10,000 to drop on an instrument right now. And you say, Oh, well, I really like you. And I'm a nice person with cool hair and I'm going to allow you to pay over six months. Okay. But they decide Uh to take a hike after three months and not pay you anymore. So this policy will cover that, whereas in other circumstances, it would not be covered without the upgrade. Now, Clarion, Top Dollar, Anderson, I'm not sure where this falls under their policies. But once again, and you're going to hear me say this a lot, talk to your agent and see if you're covered. Yeah, I could imagine that there is uh, a lot of, without talking to my agent, um, that there's a lot of process involved in that. Like, okay, what's the paperwork where you made this agreement? What were your attempts to contact them? Like, like, uh, I would guess there's some kind of due diligence that you would have to prove. Uh, 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 because I have to do that when kids don't pay me for my month to month rentals, but I, uh, you know, again, that's that gray area where it's often not worth a claim, but yeah. Um, exactly. having to track down instruments, not my favorite part of this job, but we, we do it. Yeah. And there, it gets into a lot of like really nitty gritty, um, language of, you know, what was in the contract. Um, it also, if someone, you know, if you've already reached a sale agreement and they send you a payment and that payment is actually that check bounces and they walk with the instrument as it turns out, they have technically tried to pay for the instrument. So that gets, that gets weird, you know? Um, so then you have to talk to the insurance agent and see if that is too much in a gray area or if it's in a, no, we do not cover it area or yeah, you're covered on this. Let's do a claim, you know, Okay. talk to your agent. So I'm going to put that in the category of not letting me sleep at night. All right. <laughs> Rosie, I'm, I don't want to make you a nervous or anxious person, but <laughs> I'm going to say this episode might. I've, I've, I've got different pots. Some of them yeah. help me sleep better. Some don't. Okay. There you go. Let's, uh, let's talk about, um, let's talk about those four components again, on premises, yes. mm-hmm. off premises, got it, shipping, mm-hmm. and then miscellaneous business property. All your other junk. All your other junk. <laughs> you all own. your other stuff. All right. So basically what's going to happen is they are going to ask you to then set limits for each of those categories. So that's where you as a business have to really know your business. But we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a second. Okay, good. So Rosie, if I'm not a dealer or a maker or a restorer. That makes you a player. Player. Yes. which is a whole other category. If you own a fine instrument, you would like to have some coverage for that. I assume, or, you know, maybe you're, maybe you just live wild, live fast and loose and you got that $30,000 cello, just see what happens. I wouldn't do that. Uh, So yes, there's two ways that people do this that I have seen. You either get, um, a writer on your home insurance policy, just kind of like as if you were insuring your engagement ring, uh, or you go to a place that specifically covers musical instruments. And there is a dollar amount that I would personally assign to when you switch over to using a, a personal uh, musical instrument type insurance place. Um, but I'm not going to put that dollar amount on you guys. I, but I will say the more you go up the, <laughs> in price, uh, the more you're going to want someone who really understands the demands of having a, a fine musical instrument, understanding that it travels sometimes as that maybe you get on planes with it and um, maybe it goes in the trunks of cars sometimes and uh, maybe other people borrow it. All, all of these things and, and what is covered and what isn't. 
Uh, did I cover all of that? Did I cover that well? I think you're covered. Okay, yeah, thank you. You're totally covered. <laughs> all and right. And so are Good. the listeners. <laughs> totally so when we're trying yes. to choose insurance, yeah, we what, have what a, kind of questions do we ask? <laughs> what kind of questions do we ask yeah. ourselves? What do we ask the agents? All right, first off, you ask yourself, you step up to the mirror and you say, Am I a dealer, a maker, a restorer, a player? A collector? Am I a symphony? Which I have to admit, sometimes I feel like a symphony, Rosie. <laughs> um, you do play a lot of parts, Brandon. What, whatever, whatever your description of yourself is, is going to then send you to the next step. If you're a player, you're going to want to explore your renters or homeowners insurance. And maybe that's perfectly fine. If you have a beautiful Steinway piano, you know, Steinways stay home. You don't usually travel with the Steinway, Rosie. This is true. They don't go true, yeah. in the back of your trunk. But fiddles do tend to travel. So, you know, if you're under your homeowner's insurance, perhaps they actually don't cover it when it leaves your front door or back door or side door or garage, whatever you're going to exit your house from. Um, but after that point, after you kind of assess that, then you reach out and as you said just a moment ago, decide if you're going to go with a specialized musical instrument insurance company. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're a dealer, you're going to do that self analysis of your business. How much inventory do you have on premises? How much inventory do you often have off premises? You know, whether they be on trial, whether they be um, with other, you know, restorers or you name it. Um, how much stuff do you often have in transit that's not in your care at that moment? Meaning at any given point, how much of your inventory is flying in a FedEx plane above us somewhere? Okay. Um, and then lastly, if you lose everything in your shop, how much is it going to take to cover all of those miscellaneous business property things? You know, yeah. if you have to replace your workbench, if you have to replace all your gouges, your knives, your block planes, your belt sander, your um, bandsaw that you brought up earlier. Mm -hmm. um, so you need to know all of these things because that's what they're going to ask you. And, you know, with that comes a little bit of studying your business and trying to figure it out. Yeah. Okay, okay everybody. Take a sip of coffee. Stay with us. We're Don't focusing, slurp. right? Yeah. Okay. All right. What else do we need to look for? Please continue. How do you choose your insurance agent? Okay. Mm -hmm. So with this, your insurance agent is actually someone who's like your accountant. There's someone who's like your lawyer. Okay. Um, they are going to be your partners. They need to be a specialist in the trade that you're actually um, in. So if you're going to go with an insurance agent, especially if you're dealing with a lot of instruments, pick someone who's familiar with instruments, pick someone who understands that facet of the insurance market. Um, try to get someone who is actually responsive, who when your shop gets broken into on a Sunday in December, right before Christmas, you can call them and they're going to actually respond to you in a timely manner and rest, you know, give you assurance that all is going to be okay. You can go enjoy Christmas you can breathe. Yeah. All right. Um, the other thing is when you're choosing an agent, you know, talk to your friends, talk to the symphony you play in, talk to other colleagues, see who they use, see who they like, ask about their experiences. That will really help. So that those are some of the steps that you can do to choose your agent. Um, now, something that I found very interesting when studying up for this episode is the claims process. Tell me more. I want to hear. Because of the breaking, because of shipping, I've had some experience with claims in the past. And there are common claims that happen. All right. As a dealer, the number one claim that really comes up is shipping. Yeah. You ship a bow across the country to go on trial. It shows up broken. Someone ships a bow back to you. It shows up broken. Um, someone, you're working on someone's bow. It breaks, you know. And because uh, not that sartori that you're working on right now, Rosie. Okay. No, that never happened on my workbench ever. Not once. And it won't. 
knock on wood. Um, but don't knock too hard because you might break it. Um, so bows, you know, they're so easy to break. So that's a very common, very common claim that gets made. Other things that happen, theft, accidents at the shop, um, a newbie breaks your bandsaw, all of those things. Um, for players, at-home accidents, mm-hmm. theft, damage on gigs, shipping. Mm-hmm. Those are common Ooh. claims that they're getting all the time. And actually, one of the agents told me that during COVID, a lot of people, a lot of musicians dropped their insurance because they thought, you know, I'm not at, I'm not going to be traveling because I don't have any gigs, so I'm just going to drop my insurance, try to save some money. Yeah. Um, lo and behold, they had more claims for at-home breaks mm-hmm. during that time than they've ever had before. Because guess what? We're all locked up at the house. Where are all the accidents going to happen? The kids are going crazy. They're playing basketball in the living room, and it slams into your Stradivarius. Yeah. The, the cello that's been in the closet for 20 years that all of a sudden you had all this time for, and so you mm-hmm. paid to have a new set of strings on it, a new bridge, so that you can pick it back up again during COVID, it is out in the world. It's out and in the world. guess what happens? It gets knocked over in your living room, so. Yeah. I do have a an audio clip that I'm going to play in just a little bit about um, a person who suffered an accident, a player, and, and um had to had to pay up because um, insurance was not in place for this specific circumstance. Um, but first, uh, there's a very interesting common exclusions uh, little passage that we came across. Yes, I want yeah. to know what's not ex- what's not included in my insurance policy. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's these things that uh, kind of break my brain, like uh, government seizure is not covered. So if we have an uprising. It's all on you, dude. And uh, including also war and insurrection. Okay. I'm reminded of the story when Sophia Vittori was on Omo and she's a third generation. Is it third or fourth? At least third generation luthier from, from Italy. And she has stories about her grandfather burying instruments during the war. Whoa. He became his own insurer during that time. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. So just just so you guys know, burial is an option. Um, nuclear perils are not covered. Okay. Um, if that is a concern for you out there, if that is the top of your list, please know that there are nuclear hazards clauses that you can purchase. I did not find out if this is something that Heritage or Clarion specifically offers, but there is insurance available Ask your age. need nuclear coverage. <laughs> um, all right. The next thing I'm going to say, I'm going to say uh, very clearly to the restorers, and I'm not going to add anything to it. Insects, vermin, and rodents, not covered, including in that latent damage. So something started out fine, but over time became not fine. And uh, I'll, I'll let you guys uh Put the pieces together yourself. Um, but anyway, going back, we have uh, another. <laughs> go ahead. Those are, well, those are things that are not covered, right? Not so covered. When you're getting your insurance policy, know that you're not going to be covered for that. Now, mm-hmm. things that are covered, I was actually very thankful to read some of these. Okay. Accidental breakage, ensuing devaluation. All right, that's all that makes sense. Theft, robbery, burglary. Accidental loss, yeah. Water damage, backup of sewage system and flood. Oh, that's good covered. Lord. All right. Hurricane, wind, wind damage. Rosie, something that might be, uh, you know, useful to you is tornado, hailstorm, just, lightning. It's just um, constant tornadoes over here. In and Texas. also in Tennessee, too. Yeah. Um, for me, earthquake. Good. I mean, right in the middle of San Francisco, I was really happy to see that. Fire, vandalism, collision, terrorism, that is covered. Temperature and humidity change, electrical overload. Okay. okay. All right. So if Good. you're plugging your fiddle in and there's a surge and it blows up, I guess you're covered. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Before we move on, one more clip from a player. All right. <laughs> 
Hi there, it's Emily Wright, and here is my story. The summer of my junior year of high school, my private teacher told me it was time to upgrade to an instrument that would be suitable for college and like the first few years of my pro career. He connected me with an L.A. area luthier who had a cello that pretty much fit the bill, and it was just barely in our price range. My father wasn't totally convinced, so we got permission to have an extended trial where I would take the thing up to Isamata, now it's Idlewild Arts, and play it for Hans Jensen during the two-week summer session. Hans absolutely loved it, but before I could call my parents and give them a thumbs up, one of the other students managed to knock this trial cello down a small set of stairs while it was in its case and didn't tell me. So when I opened the case up at rehearsal, the neck had come completely dislodged, the bridge was shattered, and the fingerboard had gone kind of halfway through the face of the instrument. The luthier informed my father that the cello was 100% our responsibility. So in like this single nightmare, terrible phone transaction, my dad bought that cello and then authorized over $5,000 in repairs. Um, I did have that instrument though for nearly 20 years. So that one right there, remember how we talked about what's covered in your policy? Um, It sounds like it's not uniform for every single policy when it's off your property. Uh, yeah. So for me, how I listen to that story uh, from a shop perspective, it makes me want to revisit everything I've written out about what's covered when that instrument goes out uh, for consideration for purchase and make sure everybody is really clear on on who's responsible for stuff. It sounds like maybe that conversation didn't happen there. Uh but she loved the instrument for years, so there's there's that. Years. <laughs> yep, there's that. You can't uh, you can't replace love, right, Rosie? <laughs> there's no dollar amount on love. Total um, dollar. Total. <laughs> wow, you should pitch that to them. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I think as shop owners and as players we should read our contracts we all lead such busy lives and you know we also kind of run from all of this official talk or some of us do some of us are gluttons for it let's be honest but if you're like me i hate reading the fine print it's just not for me i'm hearing this this phrase in my head that chris jacoby would always say he would say you can always be kinder than the contract Ooh, yeah. And I love it because you you want to get it all out front. You want to get it in writing. You can be nicer than that. You can say, yeah, we're not going to worry about it, but get it written down first. Be clear yeah. about the expectations and who's responsible for what. So review your contracts, review yeah. all of that language that's coming out from your business. And if you take something on trial, review it. Know what you're in charge of. Know what you're liable for. Um, so... A common word that keeps coming up is the claim, the claim, the claim. All right. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about claims, the claims process. All right. A lot of times what happens if you have a theft, if you have something show up broken, you're going to have to reach out to your insurance company and say, hey, this is what happened. And then they're going to fire back at you with some questions. All right. And they're going to request probably something like a damage or loss report um, where you have to go to a shop and have them assess it. Or as a shop, you may have to reach out to a colleague and say, hey, can you just, you know, review this and write a letter saying you've reviewed it and give them your honest opinion about what happened here and what it's worth now and what it's going to take to repair it. Um, Generally, after that, they're going to review all of the documents that you have so carefully provided them. Um, sometimes it takes a while and it seems like it's never going to end, but then they'll generally reach out and say, yes, we're going to issue you a check less the deductible. Mm-hmm. Um, or this is what we're willing to offer you because we think it's actually still got some value that you do have. So how's this sound? You know, um, that's the claims process in basically in the um, the bare form. Okay. Yeah. Now, let's talk about the danger of claims because for me, this was something that always kind of kept me up. Like 
I had, I remember one time I sold a, sold a bow to a colleague and all of a sudden I get a call the next day and they say, you know, I didn't notice this, but the bow had a crack in it. Oh no. And I know that the bow wasn't broken when I sold it to them, but do I know that? Right. You know? Because how many of us pause to take a million pictures of it the moment it like is being sold? Yeah. I mean, and it's, then you're, you know, you're not going to turn around and say, no, you're lying about it. You dropped it. I mean, it just gets too hard. So what yeah. I did as a dealer is I said, okay, I'm really sorry. I didn't see that. They agreed they didn't see it. I just bought it back from them. And then I'm sitting there with the bow again, but yeah. it's broken. So what do I do? I called a colleague and said, do you think I should make a claim? And then ensued that anxiety of, do I make a claim for this? Do I? You know, yeah, you've had some worry um, about do I am I claiming too much? Am I becoming a bad risk for yeah. the insurance companies? You exactly. voiced that a few times because a lot of times I always felt like I didn't know what I was covered for. So, yeah, I always just had this anxiety around making a claim. And it's yeah. that thing of like, oh, gosh, if I make a claim, are they going to drop me? Are they going to raise my premium? Are they going to tell all of their colleagues, like, don't don't trust that Brandon Godman dude. He just makes claims, you know. Um, and finally, one day I thought, hey, I'm just going to call my insurance agent and have a conversation and say, listen, I have anxiety about making a claim, but I also really need to stay in business. And I can't just take the blows 4,000 here, 5,000 there, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and thus this episode was born. Thus this episode <laughs> was born. And, but what I found was the insurance agent was really, really helpful. They spent time and really outlined like the claims process. They said, well, yes, if you make a whole bunch of claims and they're the consistent same claim, here comes Brandon, the bow breaker again, <laughs> we're probably going to drop Brandon, the bow breaker. All right. Um, yeah. But if it's a claim here and a claim there, that's why you have insurance. The biggest thing that my message is, is reach out to your agent and have a conversation with them. It's much like I reached out to my banker. I wanted to get a face to face personal relationship with the people I'm doing business with, because then it, it, I feel like I'm calling a friend as opposed to some company that feels like, oh, they're just going to be against me because they're not. You know, it takes mm -hmm. people like us to make people like them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, we want to make sure that we get across of just a few bits of information that we will classify as wisdom from the agents. Just, you know, we want to make sure that there's no stone left unturned. Uh, everybody out there, look at your exclusions. And if it's not excluded, then you're covered. So just take a brief look. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, also everybody's policy is different. As you just heard, we, uh, we have some coverages uh, that are standard across the board and some things that are different. And um, yeah, j don't just take our word for it. Take a look at yourself. Take um, a look at yourself and don't yeah. take your friend's word for it because their policy yeah. may be very different from yours. Yep. Yep. Uh, and then also vet out your customers uh, if they are taking thousands of dollars from you on trial, I suggest, branding suggests you get references, you know, why they're coming to you. How did they find out about you? Um, have they done business with any colleagues you have? And I'm, I'm going to just very loosely, without names, allude to, we know of someone who um, has made a habit of uh, just leaving with instruments on approval and then they get resold somewhere else. From many shops. This yeah. is an ongoing thing. Yeah. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, and it's really interesting. It was something that both agents, you know, they talked to like the FBI and, you know, police, uh, police officers. And they're like, what? You sent out how much money on trial without yeah. verification, without background checks, without verification of identity, all of this stuff. I mean, it is a crazy thing that we're doing. So mm -hmm. I think in this day and age, that was one of the things that the agents, both of them said, make sure to be better at vetting out who you're sending stuff out with. I like that. 
So in shipping, make sure that you know all of your all of your limits. Make sure you know how to pack stuff properly. Um, mm-hmm. If you own the instrument prior to shipping, it's covered under your policy. If you're sending it on trial and they're sending it back to you because want want want, they're not going to buy it. The return shipment is covered. Um, basically, if the shipment originates from your shop, it's covered under your shipping policy. Now, with that being said, make sure to check those limits and that you're adequately covered. Because if you send out a $100,000 instrument on trial and you're shipping it across country, but you've only got $75,000 in shipping, they're only going to pay up to $75,000 on your policy. Okay? So make sure that your limits are right. Yep. Yep. And there was something about uh, if you have someone use your FedEx number, what was that? Oh, yeah. So just remember, like I was saying, if someone ships you their grandmother's Colin Mezzin to see if you want to buy it and you say, yeah, ship it to me. um, And then it gets lost in the mail and they didn't insure it. It's not covered. Even if you say, hey, I would really like to see this. I'll cover the shipping to me. Mm-hmm. So they'll ship it to you, use my FedEx number, take it or UPS number, take it in, just give them that. It'll be covered under my account. It's still not covered because you technically don't own it yet. Yeah. All right. Okay. So that's uh that's kind of those like little those little gray area, you know, devils in the details moments. Yeah. Um a really good a really good saying that one of the agents said, sold and delivered, coverage ends. All right. Yeah. So if you sell an instrument and they walk out the door, you have their money and they trip going down the steps. Well, let's just say not trip going down the steps. They get to their house and they trip going into their house and land on the instrument. They're then liable for it. You're not covered for it. All right. Or you're not going to cover that instrument. You have sold Um, it. You have sold it. All right. So that moment, it's just like when you buy a car and drive it off the lot, you need to have insurance before you drive it off the lot. Yeah. And guys, we'll have more right after word from our sponsors. Between Chicago and the West Coast, you won't find a violin shop with a more finely curated selection of instruments and bows than Claire Givens Violins in Minneapolis. The Givens team is made up of knowledgeable players who take pride in helping their customers find the right instrument or bow. Their international reputation is founded upon a commitment to maintaining high levels of expertise, craftsmanship, and relationships with customers spanning across generations. Every instrument and bow offered at Claire Givens Violins is set up in their very own workshop by an experienced team of restorers and makers under the longtime expert leadership of Douglas Lay. Need a checkup? or a more extensive restoration, the workshop is known for its attention to sound and response, and players come from all over for this unmatched level of precision and care. If you're an early music player, check out Dipper Restorations, where world-renowned restorer and scholar Andrew Dipper specializes in the restoration of historical musical instruments and the making of historic replica bows. Need a checkup? Looking for an upgrade? Check out GivenViolins.com. They look forward to seeing you. Homo Sapiens. Advance your skill set with Learning Trade Secrets workshops in Ashland, Ohio. For late summer, we have two workshops of note. Intermediate to Advanced Bow Restoration with David Orland is July 23rd through 28th. You can learn best repair practices and specialized techniques for bow restoration and how to approach the complex problems of wear and old failed repairs. For instrument makers looking to refine their skills, the Making Masterclass with Bill Scott is here this July 30th through August 4th. In this class, we focus on aesthetics, workmanship, and preparation for competition entry. Not for beginners, this class is for mastery. Sign up today at learningtradesecrets.com. Okay, welcome back. Rosie, we're on the home stretch here. Yeah. We've talked about lots of things. I feel very covered right now with information about insurance. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, You know, we originally wanted to include a big broad section about writing insurance appraisals in this episode, but the more I investigated that, the deeper it got. 
that we're gonna have to save that for another time. We're gonna have to save it for another time because if somebody's driving while they're listening to this episode, um, I'm not gonna say it would put them to sleep. I'm gonna say they would probably start driving really, really fast because it's so intense. <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> um, but I just want to hit on the point that as a shop or as shop owners, if you are one, um, or a violin expert, you are called on to write insurance appraisals. Just be really aware of what is required on the insurance appraisal. Be aware of what it means when you say stuff like uh, replacement value or mm-hmm. fair market value. Mm-hmm. Um, those things. Real descriptive, very descriptive and thorough. Yeah, but not too thorough. I mean, it, there are a lot of facets of writing an insurance appraisal, um, but it is something we have to do. So basically, you just want to be able to give enough information for the insurance company to say, yes, you showed this to an expert. This is what it's worth. And also do your homework on the value. Don't just pull a number from the air. You need to have a reason yeah. to back it up. And triple check your work. You don't want to be missing one of your zeros when you write a number. Or adding adding a couple or in. Or adding a zero. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, great. But we are going to come back. We're we'll dive do- so deep. Yeah. It's going to be a workshop. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> Yay. You want to do some special thanks? I think we have a lot of thanks to give uh, to some people <laughs> who helped out with this episode. Um, Joan Gallo of Heritage Insurance. She was very helpful in giving plenty of information. Jack Schoenfeld from Clarion. You know, I actually met Jack because he called and he said, hey, I've been seeing your name from some uh, customers of ours on insurance appraisals. I just want to get to know you. And that's what started our relationship. And he's been very helpful. Um, So now I'm friends with two insurance agents. Yay. Um, Also who helped in this episode is Stefan Hirsch of Darton and Hirsch in Chicago, Fred Oster of Vintage Instruments in Philly, and lastly, Colin Mackey of Colin Mackey Incorporated in New York City. Yeah. Uh, and on some other news and notes, I, I just want to make sure that it is said on our podcast. If you have not listened to The Violin Chronicles by Linda Lespet, go check it out. Uh, she's amazing. Her podcast is amazing. It's all the historical content. I really wish I had the time to research if you really enjoyed our talks on the Stradivari family in some of our earliest episodes, you will love her show. You will have to download an app because it's only available on Podbean, but it's totally worth your effort. It's our kind of nerdiness. Check out The Violin Chronicles. It's really um, good. Yeah. Uh, I also want to say coming up next month, we're going back to Oberlin and you guys, I've made a Love Fest episode on Overland before, but this time I intend to really dive into some of the techniques that are covered, some of the knowledge that is shared, the way that we all discover a certain kind of specialty tape that's good for a certain repair, and at the same time, everyone simultaneously orders it on Amazon. Um, other subjects in the pipeline, we are going to cover the grand reopening of the National Music Museum. and. Uh, we're doing a whole episode dedicated to bridges. Bridging the gap, uh, baby. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I want to say uh, our co-host, Elizabeth Perry, had another kid <laughs> in early May. Uh, congratulations, Liz and David, uh, to their baby boy in early May. And uh, we wish everybody just the most joy and happiness and health and sleep. Um, so if you guys know Liz, uh, congratulate her out there. Yay, Liz. Um, yeah. And then on one last note, we're always up for suggestions. I know lately a lot of our episodes have been very restoration heavy, and uh, we want to explore all of this world. So if you think that there is more out there that that you'd like to see covered, find us. Uh, yeah, we, we have ways to reach us in our little closing thing that we're going to do next. Uh, I can't, I can't recall. <laughs> do the thing that we tell <laughs> you to the, do next. Do the thing that we say next. And yeah. um, thank you for staying awake. Thank you for listening. This stuff is so crucial to our industry. I feel better knowing a little bit more about it. Yeah. Just don't get overwhelmed. Also realize that it's not as expensive as we think it is. Players out there, um, 
and call your insurance agent, yeah. get comfy with them, get to know them, get to know your policy. Yeah. It's okay. You can rest insured. Rest insured. Be well, homo sapiens. Thank you so much, Rosie. This was fun. Thank you, Brandon. All right, you guys. Have a good one. Bye. Omo is an all luthier podcast produced by Rosie Deloach, Brandon Gottman, Jason Peoples, and Jerry Lynn. The show is edited by Jason Peoples. Music by Invoke Sound. If you enjoy our show, you can help us out by leaving an iTunes review or becoming a Patreon member at patreon.com slash omopod, where you can get your very own Omo swag. We'd love to hear from you, so reach out at mail at omopod.com or call the Omophone at 240-686-5345. Thanks for listening.